0: What's up, Clitorati? <laughs> I have a smoky voice today. Today, we have a very special guest. She is a sacred sex coach. She believes that ancestral and ongoing sexual wounds, insecurities, and trauma are a public health issue and the root cause of suffering and disconnection we experience as humans today. She has studied the Vita Method under one of our personal favorites, Layla Martin, and since 2019, she has provided private sacred sexuality coaching for men, women, and couples seeking to elevate pleasure and deepen intimacy in their sexual connections. Please welcome Michelle Martinez to the show.
1: Woo! <laughs> welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, for we're so me. excited
0: to have you. And we were so <clears throat> Madison and I found you because we were we were googling worthiness and sexuality, <laughs> and an article that you came that you wrote came up, and we were so moved by it. We knew we had to have you on the show. And so what we're talking about today is really self love versus self lust, and. Like we had never heard the term self lust before, um, so we're gonna we're gonna dive into that. But before we get into that, I, I did notice another thing that you talk about. Um, we've talked about the patriarchy a lot on this show as well, like patri- patriarchal world culture, and you put it in a, a phrase uh, that I'd never heard before, which is patriarchal sex culture. So, what exactly is patriarchal sex culture, and how is that impacting us inside of this conversation? Mm.
1: Yeah, great question. So the way I conceptualize it, patriarchal sex culture is um, the sex culture that has been um, allowed to thrive without any sense of the divine feminine in our like, day-to-day, right? And like, what that has done to us is made uh, the male experience of sex the default uh, like, standard of what sexuality mm-hmm. and sex is right? So everything is catered to the male gaze. Like when men want sex, we're all supposed to be like, well, let, something's wrong with the woman if she's not on his timeline mm. for sex, right? Um, if you're not climaxing in the same kind of, you know, speedy way, or are from the same things, from the same kinds of touch, you know, from intercourse, right? <laughs> like from penetration, the things that work for men, like have become kind of this default way of thinking about sex. I mean, even sex itself feels like mm. it's for men interesting, a lot of the time and not for women. Right. And so, um, it's all of that. I mean, and then of course there's the ties to like rape culture and the ways that we conceptualize consent and what counts as consent and how much you have mm-hmm. to, you know, fight back in order for it to be mm-hmm. like, she said no. Right. And th- these kinds of things. Um, and of course there's nuances in all of that, you know, that it's like very <laughs> sticky. It can be a very sticky topic, but, um, you know, incel culture, right. Is another if kind of culture, insult of culture of insult sex culture where there's Oh, incel. Oh, Wait, oh, what's insult.
2: that? <laughs> yeah, what's that? I heard insult also.
0: Oh, I heard
1: it's, insult culture. Oh. I was like, oh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <What's that>? <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Oh, this is great. Okay, so incel is shorthand for involuntary celibate. And it's like a subgroup of men that um, complain that they're not getting oh. laid, right? And, and blame women and become very misogynistic and almost like violent um, around it uh, and you know, uh, just very bitter and resentful toward women for the for the fact that they're not having the sex that yeah. they think they're entitled to. Um and so that that's that's what God I thought. Oh, I learned I mean, something that new every slur- time.
2: I know I mean really we do this podcast so we can educate ourselves. Yeah. So we can stay educated. <laughs> Basically. Wow. Wow. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's well, that so really- interesting because something that we've been really present to Lindsay and I are in an, uh, extended non monogamous community in Los Angeles. Um, our levels of activeness vary depending on like the season, et cetera, but just to keep it vague and for the purposes of our conversation. And we were just talking about this recently where we, you know, even though it takes a certain level of consciousness and awareness and lack of, of patriarchal programming in those environments, the subtleties of where it still shows up though even in these conscious as fuck communities that we are a part of and love all of our friends. And and it's still, it's still showing up in the smallest of ways, even in these like more woke settings. And so I'm curious on your experience of that being that you've done a lot of community work, uh, getting certified in the sacred sexuality community. I imagine you have like other colleagues in this space um, and people who understand this. And they are, you know, anti-patriarchal, but then sometimes their actions maybe show up in these subtle ways still where you can tell there's still the deeper um unprogramming to do. I and mean, when your thoughts on that.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I notice it in myself all the time. Mm. You know, like like my own slut shaming that happens inside of myself still, right? Um, the fears that I have. Something one way that I've noticed that it comes up for me actually, and I've heard this from other coaches, is um holding yourself back as someone in a partnership with a man from expressing yourself fully sexually in public spaces because you don't want to embarrass Mm -hmm. him or make or or create a problem for him, right? Like whatever. And it's not usually from that partner saying like, I'm not comfortable with you expressing yourself this way on the internet or in your business or online. Um, But it's that internalized like, oh, I need to make sure that I'm presenting in a way that reflects well on him and what's expected of him in terms of like controlling, you know, like not being with a woman that's like too sexually out there and what that implies about my fidelity perhaps. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, whatever it may be. And so it's, uh, it's like, it's all fine and good to be, um, you know, more more slutty, more expressed when you're single. But then, as soon as you're in a partnership, it's like this reined in thing. Which again is not necessarily coming from the partner, but it's this like internalized um, pa- that internalized patriarchy, mm-hmm. right? That like his comfort around my sexuality and how I present is more important than my right to express how I want and be who I am out, you know, yeah. just publicly. Um, I'm curious what what you're referring to, though, Madison, in your community. Of well, I had what I had experienced just uh, this
0: past weekend, and that this conversation is opening yeah. up for me, like. And I would say, I'm an emotional person, right? And and the way that I was raised is, you deal with things immediately, like you just deal with it, you, you handle it, and it's done, and. I had an experience where I, I was in a party situation and I got upset about something. I removed myself from the party. I sat in a car with my friend, tried to sort myself out, but I wear my emotions on my sleeves. And so I was, I, I was talking to two of my male friends. And it's interesting because one of them is originally from the Midwest and one of them is from California. And the, the I got a phone call like the next day basically telling me, hey, you know, you've seemed upset in the last like few, like the last like two party spaces I've been in with you. And basically told like basically asked me to leave it out of party space because it was making them uncomfortable and to like wrap up my emotions in a bow. Cause and what I got is like it made it was making them uncomfortable. I was talking to two people and the other the so the person from the Midwest, and I really get, I think that it was maybe even a cultural difference. Because the person from California was like, I wasn't upset at all. And so I, then I was like, I've been really upset about it. And I was like, I got that. I'm not safe to be myself around this person. And and that there's this expectation, I think, especially Mm -hmm. of women to tie up your emotions in a bow, to be polite and sit in the corner and don't make other people uncomfortable. And it's been Mm -hmm. really triggering for me.
2: Yeah.
3: We've been doing Clit Talk for a while now, over 200 episodes to date, and we have had an influx of new Clitorati and we still have our consistent OG Clitorati tuning in every week. So we've created a free gift for you. It's called Clit Talk Cliff Notes, the No BS Guide to Self-Pleasure and Sexual Intimacy.
2: And we're really giving you our best highlight reel of sex tips. We have combined our top sex hacks to give you confidence, communication, orgasms, and the ability to take your pleasure game from zero to a hundred real quick and... Blow any partner's mind in bed.
3: Included in this and free gift is two free audio trainings. Self-pleasure is self-love. And our hottest sex tips. We also have unreleased episodes uh, and a fan favorite from our Sex and Empowerment Signature Masterclass, an erotic visualization, and a video on orgasmic breathing.
2: Oh, yeah. Mm. So, to get a little taste of what we do here, you definitely want to sign up for Clit Talk Cliff Notes. Just go to clittalkshow.com backslash guide, because Clitorati, it is possible to have quantum leaps in your sex and empowerment with simple and impactful shifts.
0: Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today, yes. I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk, talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show.
1: Was that a woman that no, told you it was that, a, man. That a man Both
0: the yeah. They're both men, yeah.
1: Yeah. And they both had oh, totally yeah. different experiences with okay. me. Yeah. Right. right and though. And to me, that just seems like a projection of their own, like, I'm not allowed to deal like to bring my emotions and my full self to the space. So you yeah. shouldn't or can't do that. And look, and yeah. like yeah. look, like,
0: any any human being is Totally. It's their prerogative to make a request of me, but it's then it's also my prerogative to be like, okay, well, if I can't be my full self with this person, do I want to be in, do I want to share space with them?
2: Right. Or if so, what mm -hmm. kinds of spaces? Because like clearly certain ones are just like going to be uncomfortable for you. Now, obviously. I know. This is, I was like, when, when you were like, I have a recent experience, I wasn't sure if you were going to bring up the jacuzzi situation from a couple of weeks ago, but I was, no. when you were like this weekend, I'm like, no, this is such a good example of one. And I yeah. think, you know, um, that was such a good example to bring into the space, Lindsay, because that the, the, uh, the, what I was going to speak to was in the more uh, energetics. Like, I find um, there's a certain way to be. I think that's what you were touching on, Michelle, right? To um, have men in this context of this conversation feel comfortable,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: right? And so just like, just dovetails perfectly with like what you're saying, Lindsay. This is where I oftentimes experience like patriarchal um, stuff. Um, My husband's super woke, super conscious man. Um, And yeah, the other day- (laughs) this is how it just showed up for me recently. I have, I have like three or four people I'm dating people on rotation. And this is the first time in my life I'm dating. I'm 28. I married my husband, met my husband when I was 20. I never dated really ever. And so I came out and not as non-monogamous, my husband and I opened our marriage four years in. And, um, But it's taken a few years to get to this level of dating. This is the first time in my life that I am dating, and I feel like a single woman, and it's really fun. And I told my husband, I was like, oh, so like, I'm going to New York. This is a couple weeks ago. I'm going to New York, and there's someone we've interviewed on the show. There's an opportunity for me to go on a date with this person, and I really want to follow that. And my husband's response, he was like, another one? And I was like, what do you mean another one? Like... First of all, that feels a little slut-shamey, <laughs> like another one. Um. Whew. So we talked about that. We talked through that. I was like, and just to create a little background, my husband has a girlfriend that he's deeply, deeply loves, and she's amazing. So he has one um, deep lover, and I seem to have, like, all these lovers. <laughs> So I, we had a really beautiful conversation. I did say I, I, I want to talk about this because it feels a little slut It feels a little patriarchal to be like you're counting how many people I'm with. Like, what the fuck is that? Um, so we talked about it, and I was like, look, like ultimately the most the I, the utmost triggering thing for me is the fact that you only want to be with one woman, right? <laughs> Biologically, that's a, I would much rather you be dating five women <laughs> personally, <laughs> but. You're doing the thing that's really triggering for my biology, which is dating, having one super serious relationship. So, and I was like, and I get from the male's perspective, I'm doing the thing that's triggering you the most. Like you'd rather I just have one boyfriend, <laughs> but instead I have like several people. And we just, I think that reality and just naming that made some of the, the stickiness. The like the patriarchal stickiness and that was wanting to come into the equation sort of just dissipate and dismantle. And we were able to choose for ourselves But I think a lot of it is that is recognizing like, oh, this is old fucking programming and noticing where it shows up in our language. That is the biggest indicator of like where we're at and where we're coming from. Are we coming from a patriarchal mindset or are we coming from this pleasure paradigm? (laughs) And so, yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to speak to is just like the little, the slightest things that are
0: actually this huge, there's just so much information underneath this one rock. Well, and, and just what I'm getting from, from all of our shares is like, there's still this very real expectation of how women should be. Yeah. Like I should have a, maybe only Mm -hmm. two or three, like not five. Yeah. That's, (laughs) <laughs> right <laughs> or 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 people identifying as female. It, I, this is a very cis conversation right now. I, I recognize that. Um, but that's you know, I'm a woman, so <laughs> that's my personal experience. <laughs> um, and so you know let's let's get back to your article a little bit. So your article is called Sexual Worthiness how self-love and self-lust work together to free you. And you actually touch on like poor body image was really your personal experience that you're writing about in this article. Um, can you kind of create for us the difference? What is the difference between self-love and self-lust?
1: Yeah, so self-love without self-lust is kind of like friend zoning your own self. <laughs> it's like, um, like to me, it's like, oh, I can understand why someone would want to be my friend, why they love me as, you know, a sister, a family member, uh, whatever, um, but I'm not fuckable, you know, like I'm not sexy, I'm not attractive, I'm not whatever. Um, whereas, you know, lust without love is uh, can, can so easily um, morph into objectification or just mutual use or something along those lines, right? And I think most people want the both and. They want to feel very uh deeply loved by somebody and they also want to feel lusted after. You know, they want to feel that like hot level of objectification yeah, if yeah. you want to <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> right, but that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so that's I mean that's kind of the yeah, I mean that's the distinction that I draw there like when I I I haven't had a whole lot of uh struggle loving who I am. I, I, I don't know. It's just like, just feel like I'm a decent person, you know, um, have certain talents, intelligence, whatever. Um, and so I found like that value and I'm like, I, I get, I get that I am lovable. Um, but then my struggle, especially through puberty, growing up young adulthood and everything was feeling, you Mm. know, lustable, um, especially, uh, just, you know, I, um, I just always felt like I had a really boyish figure and, um, or what would be called a, you know, a boyish figure. And it was really triggering to me and hard for me to like, not have the curves that I expected to have as a, um, as a young woman. And, um, and you know, not, I wasn't bullied hard for it, but it can I mean, it doesn't take a lot, <laughs> you know, I think no. it doesn't take a lot of, you know, little side comments and things, you know, for something to really lodge into your psyche and to um, register as, you know, a problem with your body that like other people are going to, you know, forever see as an undesirable thing about you. And then when that couples with the emphasis that we have on appearance in our society, and especially um, the way that it's applied to women, it's almost like our sexuality is our Mm -hmm. sexual aesthetic, you know, like, like we, it's been boiled down to that again, because of patriarchal sex culture and whatnot um like that male gaze is so important so it's like a a woman that is um sexual quote unquote it's like it's really in a way it's she's sexual because she's she's sexy or wearing something provocative or whatever but it's really coming into it 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 tends to boil down to the the visibleness of her body Mm -hmm. And her hotness, you know, in a physical way, kind of a thing. Right. And so I feel like I'm not explaining this super well, but, um, that learning to find what is lustable about myself without having to look like a Victoria's secret model or a Kardashian <laughs> yeah. or whatever, right. Like mm. that, that has been, <laughs> that has been the, um, the journey and
2: yeah, and that's yeah. what the article is about. It's so right? is. So um, I this article really hit home for me because this is this is very vulnerable for me to share because recently on the show I shared. Oh my god, I'm like dating this person that I'm super in love with, and it's been like a few months. And but there's been a shift in our relationship that I've been present to like that reality um, over the last maybe two weeks. And your article came at like just the perfect time, you know, <laughs> fellow intimacy coach over here feeling so unf- unfuckable, unworthy of my desires. Basically, this person told me they love me. And what I got, though, is that they're not in love with me. And my brain has been broken. <laughs> like I, it just like broke my brain. I'm like, okay, so hold on. You love me, but you're not in love with me. This is literally what this article is speaking to, of that, that feeling of where, great, I love myself. I know you love me. I love me big butt, but you don't, you're, but you're not in love with me. How could you not be in love with me? Or like, you don't want to fuck me. How could you not want to that feeling? And so just that was the moment in which like I, (laughs) we found your article for me was so, I was so big. So it really helped me move some energy through of like, okay, okay. This, per this doesn't mean I'm unworthy of my sexual desires. And this feeling lives in me. There's something that made me feel. It made me feel undesirable. Mm -hmm. Once this person told me that they're just not in love with me. They love me, but they're not in love with me. And I'm curious. uh, um, I feel this person wants to fuck me when they want to. There will be occasions in the future that come up, but it's almost like the not being in love
0: back with me is feeling like this person doesn't want me. It's so, I think, I think you're touching on something too, Madison, you know, like the worthiness and the self-objectification and the sexual self-objectification. Like that was that was something that you had mentioned in your article too. And self-objectification is something that I've recently begun to really understand what that is. And it's, you know, we're groomed, I think, from the time we're little, right? Oh, you're so pretty. You're, you're cute. We're taught that like our physical appearance has something to do with our worthiness or our desirability or or like our internal, like something like, like, I think what you're pointing to Madison is like, what's like, there's something wrong with you because this person isn't in love with you. Like we look at like (laughs) what's wrong, what's broken about us.
2: Right. And like, I don't feel broken about it. I'm just frustrated because I of course want this person too. So I'm having to move through the being, accepting it and not falling into the meaning of that. It means anything about, about me. Um, you know, your article came at such a beautiful time of like that reminder of like, I know that. Um, And, and, and so for also, as I mentioned, this is the first time I'm dating in my entire life, like really date. Like, I feel like I'm in the category of dating and I've also, I've never had, this is the first time I've ever been in love with someone and they haven't been in love with me back. I've actually and
1: that doesn't never had feel this good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's and, not an so experience. <laughs> My husband
2: is like, I understand what you're experiencing. Like, this has happened to me so many times. Like, this is something people go through when they're dating. And I just, I'm kind of like, you know, a little bit. I feel a little naive and like, what is this? And also a little bratty and like that. I've definitely felt entitled to getting mm-hmm. what I want in connections with people. Like, I'm not used to not getting it exactly the way that I want it when I.
0: Yeah. So, 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 so Mich- Michelle, Fre- Fre- Michelle, yeah. me,
2: like, I'm kind of into it. Like, what do you see?
0: Tell me.
1: <laughs> oh, no, just like, I, cause I mean, you're obviously very attractive and smart and all these things, right? And I'm like, yeah, this, like, this is making sense to me that this is like the first time you're experiencing <laughs> this. And, um, and and I just think it's like, oh, wow. Like this is, I don't know. I just want to kind of track your dating journey. Um, <laughs> but Something, something I was just thinking is like, also what happens when we um, are brought up with this idea that like our, our looks matter or that there's this, um, or they they matter the most. And, and also if you're, if you're funny on top of that, if you're smart on top of that, if you have a great career on top of that, like you're the ideal woman and literally every man Mm. should be into you, (laughs) right? Like it, it can kind of create this like expectation, especially when we have the narrative that like. Men mm. just want to, like, it's easy to get a man interested in you and want to be with you in certain ways, right? It's it's a really strange yeah. thing that we, like, we have to try so hard for it, and yet, theoretically, right. it's so easy, right. you know? Um, but mm. <laughs> but I just, I'm not saying, like, oh, you, you went into the situation, like, entitled to love or something, bit, but... Yeah. Um, but she's kind of saying it's, that. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's
2: okay, I can, <laughs> can
1: say it, say and that? then you can just
2: be like, yeah... That's what's happening. Yeah. I was like, I'm ready for it. Let's go. Here we go.
1: Okay. I'm in love with you. You're not ready. You know? Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't blame you for expecting it is all I'm saying really, you know, mm. like it's, especially if it's not happened before right. to the contrary. Um, you know, and it's like, I check all that, like I've had that experience before, right. Where someone didn't want me and I'm like, but I check right. all the boxes. Like, what else are you looking for? I've like, I've done the thing. And, it, and, and I think it's because we forget that there's just mm. like inexplicable chemistry factor that you will never have control over, you know, that like some people are just, even when you feel chemistry on your end, and this is the thing that boggles my mind the most, right? When you feel intense chemistry on your end and they don't feel the same thing. Yeah. Like, that that's what, even, yeah how is that <laughs> possible? Isn't it
0: biology? God damn it.
2: A, I'm feeling yeah, it. You're not yeah. feeling it. What do you mean yeah. you're not feeling it? I don't understand. You are, you're right? feeling it.
1: Yeah. yeah. This can't be a one-way thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah you're in denial. So fine. just
0: for anyone who's yeah. listening, can you actually sort of define, I know we sort of briefly mentioned it like sexual and self objectification. Can you, can you speak a little to like what exactly that is and how we can start to break that cycle for ourselves?
1: Yes. So when you objectify yourself, you're basically looking at your value through the eyes of someone else um, and it's, you're in, you're reducing your humanity to something, uh, small. So for example, the way that most, um, people experience this, when we talk about object, being objectified, right? Like it can actually go in a few different directions, but a lot of people experience it as like their mm-hmm. physical body. Right. So, um, when I'm objectifying myself, I'm looking at myself in the mirror I'm reducing my whole value as a woman, as a person, as a partner, as a, as a soul, you know, um, to like, how, how well does my figure right now today, you know, match up to what I think it should look like in order to be attractive and valuable to someone else. And
2: Hmm.
1: we can, we can objectify ourselves in this way, which we do often. We can also objectify other people in with like, you know, money or whatever, like it can be. You know, some, whatever it is that you tend to care about the most, I think we tend to project that and objectify other people based on the thing. Um, but, but yeah, the I mean, the body thing is what we're really talking about right now, right? Like the body image. So that's that's how I would describe it as like it's really it's just really reducing the way that you evaluate your entire personhood to um, the shape and perceived you know, hotness right. of your
0: body. Well, and I think it's, I think it's also like a, a deeper conversation, like a cultural like even like, you know, Madison and I were talking and she's like, I can't relate to that. Like, I love my body. I'm like, the fact that you even have to say that is like how deep this runs in our yeah. society.
2: I was about to say that. Yeah. like it's,
0: <laughs> it, it, I was actually kind of racking
2: my brain. I was like, I don't know if I'd be able to handle not being being someone who, you know, didn't like my body. And, and then we had this whole kind of conversation before you came on priming ourselves for this. And I was like, oh, my God, like that. I was sort of having this like, all right, well, I'm grateful that I am attractive because I'm not, like already like this is hard as fuck. So just telling on myself a little bit in this conversation, like, yeah, the fact that I'm even like, well, I really like my body. The fact that it's part of the conversation, it's not the negative side of it, but it's the it's the. It's the duality of it from the from the positive side. So the fact that I'm even considering it in the equation, and what's so interesting is the reflection I always get back from my husband um, is all that I care about is your way of being. Like when you're when you're being the embodiment of someone who loves themselves and exuding that kindness and and gratitude and like love and play. Like I want to fuck that. Like you're I want to fuck your aura. You know, and I'm, it's just it's always and it always like blows my mind because it's like it literally doesn't matter what I look like. doesn't matter if I'm, my hair's done or not, or if there's like a cute lingerie on me or not. Like it's all energy when in, in, in relationship to my husband, I understand that not everyone is like that, but for anyone who can relate, like we're attracted to like, what are we really attracted to? And, and, and inside of that, you know, when doing self-practices, like I was sharing like, oh, well, I, I like my body, right? What's a different thought that's actually more supportive to the self-love, self-lust conversation or really the sexual worthiness conversation? If it's not about, I love my body, like what's the thought that we can start to really
0: replace? Well, it's, I am more than a body, you know, Right. And I think also what's like what I'm recognizing in this conversation is I like my body too. Right. But I don't represent what a lot of people consider on trend right now for a body. So that's right. in a lot of ways even more frustrating. It's like when I look in the mirror, I like what I like and I like what I see. But then I'm up against this patriarchal view mm. and what other people are thinking about me. And that's the frustrating part, I think.
2: Mm that's really well-distinguished. Wow.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of it too comes down to trusting other people to be perceiving us as entire individuals and not reducing us the way that we tend to maybe reduce exactly, ourselves. Exactly. Right. So like there may be a, yeah, like there may be a body type that's trending right now. Right. But people are not coming up to me or seeing me enter a room and being like, Oh, it's really too bad that Michelle doesn't have like the dimensions of a Kardashian <laughs> right. right now. Cause because who does naturally (laughs) she's yeah she's really she's really missing the the trend here oh my god normally i would talk to her and have a good time but her body's not trending right now
0: so (laughs) well but and i do i did use that word intentionally because if you look throughout history the ideal woman has been something different for hundreds of years it changes like every and you know i i'm I'm reading this book right now and it's you're, it's called You're Not a Before Picture by Alex Light. It's a great book. And the whole first chapter is just the history of what's been trending for women. And what really was interesting to me is she talked about then, you know, first it was if you were actually a little bit overweight, it was beautiful because it meant that you were noble and you could afford food and all this stuff. And then, you know, when you get into the 1920s, there was this oppression of women's bodies in a sense And it was the way for them to keep us distracted and quiet
1: Mm -hmm. because
0: we were starting to fight for our rights to vote, to do that. So by distracting us and keep changing what is trendy, it keeps us quiet and it keeps us distracted. And easily, Mm -hmm. and easily controlled. Yeah. And underfed, tired, and Mm -hmm. fatigued. Yeah.
2: Mm. Oof, this is like getting like conspiracy and it's turning me on. Uh, I love conspiracy. Love me a good conspiracy. (laughs) Um, Yeah. One of the things I loved so much in your article is the way that you created um, the way that you created the, what, what the formula for worthiness really is. It can't be just lust, self-lust, and it can't be just self-love. The way that these two things really work together to create this foundation for this embodiment of sexual worthiness, and there was uh, this quote that, like, Lindsay, this was like in the, when we were reading the article, Lindsay was like, "Oh my god, stop wherever you're reading!" Like this quote, and this <laughs> quote is the quote that all bodies are built for sex. Lindsay and i are on this meeting and she's like i'm gonna repeat it <laughs> i said
0: <laughs> all are. our
2: bodies
0: are built for sex and we were just and for pleasure right our bodies are designed for pleasure
1: mm. yeah and like that and that's like in a nutshell that's you know my motto the thing that i'm trying to do in the world it's like i just never want someone's you know, natural body to be the reason that they're not enjoying their sexuality. Like, like you deserve it. It's your body is meant for it. Like you're capable of experiencing so much pleasure and intimacy and like love channeling all of these delicious things, you know, through your body. And like, you don't need, um, any kind of specific figure to do that. And also like, you know, I, I think at least I tend to, um, forget about when we're, You know, seventy years old also, and how we're going to feel at that point. Like, I want to create a world where, like, I am looking forward to the sex I'm going to have in my sixties and seventies and eighties because it just keeps getting better. Because I have that, like, that I I'm I'm not going to be deterred by you know not having a young top figure anymore in my sexuality. Like, that's not going to have to be this um this like gateway or a gatekeeping thing, right? Like something else I was um trying to get at in the article too, is like it when we associate these two things so much, like our physical attractiveness um, through the lens of patriarchy um, and sex, being sexual, it's like I'm not allowed... <laughs> I was just thinking the there to like... Like to think of having sex when I don't feel attractive. It's like a... Like mm, cognitive dissonance right, does not right. compete. Yes. <laughs> like, right. Like, like to right? To like, to like open myself to feeling love and pleasure when I feel ugly. It's like, it just doesn't, you know, I mean, it does now more, but for a long time, it was like, I like cannot, like, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Like I have to feel Mm. cute first before I'm going, like I could, I could start to get in that energy of sexuality. And that's like, that's the the thing, the pattern, the dynamic that I really want to start to um, that I want to help people unravel within themselves, right? It's like, I want you to have the biggest zit on your nose and the greatest <laughs> orgasm at the same time. I like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like I just, I don't want it to be a deterrent. I don't want it to have to be this, this thing because <laughs> think about all the great pleasure and sex you're going to miss. Just Being you know, in your head. Uh, what? <laughs> and that or, is... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Being in your head and judging yourself in a way that honestly your no. partner is not, right? When like, I am having sex
0: with it. my partner, I yeah. am definitely... My eyes are, like, closed and I'm feeling him. I am not looking at his body and being like, wow, he really needs to lose 20 pounds. That is not going through my head.
2: I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, sometimes I'll be having sex with my husband and I'm like, that's a really big blackhead on his nose. And I do have that thought. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to kill you. Also, though, (laughs) I mean, we are providing sex edutainment. (laughs) Take we are. So, and... But it doesn't make me stop. And, of course, I'm not like, oh, I can't have sex with you because you do this. I just I, – I, I I have – I've definitely – I notice things. It doesn't take me out of my turn on, though. So – Yeah, certainly. Just, That's just real. <laughs> honest. It's honest. I had to say it. It was just like – I was. we were getting so deep. I was like, let me just – but, uh, yeah, this is, like, a really important conversation that – gets to be had because ultimately we are all about that we are responsible for our pleasure. So this article and this conversation we're having is not to like find the evidence to keep, this is for all of the clitoradio out there, not to find the evidence to keep being self disempowered, that really to let, or to blame everyone like it's the patriarchy's fault. No, we're acknowledging these things exist. And this yeah. article, we really want to like empower you to bring, get to tune back into that center point of that we are responsible for our pleasure. And there's these internal narratives that we have that that keep us from uh, the
0: connection that we, I think, really crave and we're well, really and, desiring. And I think that's like a perfect segue because the, the way that you've sort of finished the article is you talk about this concept of committing to yourself. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about like what that looks like and how someone who's listening right now, how can you, we start this journey of really committing to ourselves?
1: Yeah. So that came from, uh, like thinking of it as a metaphor with a, with a, some other relationship, right? Like, so when you're first, uh, starting to see somebody and you're figuring out like, oh, do I like them? How, how into them am I? Whatever. And you have kind of one foot in one foot out. Like you'll never know the potential of a relationship until you commit to it fully. Mm. You know, and so that's not to say that you should commit to every relationship fully. No, you should be very discerning, right? But when it comes to yourself, like you'll never know the potential of like how, you know, like epic your relationship with yourself can be until you commit to loving yourself, like through the the ups and the downs and the however your body's gonna change and um you know whatever happens. And uh so that's that's kind of where it, it, it comes to, you know. So in, once you commit to another person, you can feel a bit safer there. You can go deeper, you can fall more in love with them. And so that's the idea there is that, you know, if you're kind of one foot in one foot out with yourself or with your body, like, I don't know if I love you yet. Let me lose 10 pounds first. I don't know if I love you yet. Let me whiten my teeth. I don't know if I love you yet. What, you know, whatever it might be. Mm. And so there's, it's like, just commit to loving yourself and your body first. And yeah, and then, and then the the self love will just go deeper from there. You know, it's like you, mm. you can't can't help yeah.
0: it. No, Can I'm here. I'm see. just deeply listening.
1: <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I'm
0: like deep in thought, listening to what you're saying. Mm. <laughs> I'm like wow. Mm. Well, it's okay. just the, And as you're saying this to me, like the thing mm. that's coming up for me is, you know, that experience that I had. You know, I could be very entitled about their request. But I think what's underneath of it is like this forgiveness and knowing that I am perfect the way that I am and they had their experience and I had mine and looking at if there's actions to take that would have me be more in sync with myself.
2: Mm.
0: And what does that Mm. look like? Really discovering, taking my relationship with myself to the next level.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely something to think about. You know, I and I don't have a great answer to that. I don't know. No, I'm just these are the deep thoughts I was having. (laughs) Okay, just okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And I'm just looking in for me. Like, what's so interesting is I've I'm still in this relationship to this person that I'm I'm feeling in love with, who's feeling a lot of love for me. Um, and. really just being with like, great. Like how do, how do I actually move forward within myself? And like, I was looking at taking him, our relationship to the next level, me and me and him before two weeks ago. And I, what I'm seeing for myself is like, oh, what's I'm, I'm in relationship to myself. And what does it look like to take this relationship to me to the next level such that maybe I can invite him into that? <laughs> like, actually taking the focus off of us and what us is creating is I've already created my thing. I'm married. I'm happily married. This is all just gravy on my life. This is yeah. like, I need to find, like, let's gravy on your life? It's the maraschino. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't, I don't know. It's the maraschino cherry to my Sunday. Like I've already have the Sunday, So, you know, what am I really doing here? What am I, what, you know, I just came, went to Burning Man for my first time ever this past year and really embodied this, I think the epitome of sexual worthiness. Like that feeling was achieved there of like, Oh my God, I am in love with me. And that's so important. And it's been four months since Burning Man almost. And that feeling it's stayed, it's lingered, but it's, it's like yeah, I can feel it like dissipating. And so I can notice now, and really what this article gave me access to was I was so focused on outside and like making this thing work that I think it was just like, no, if I'm this like plant, right? Like, I think I just really needed to like water that relationship with myself. Um, Cause when I went to Burning Man, I didn't go there with a guy or dating a guy. I went there to go, I was my eat, pray, love. This is how I explained it to my <laughs> My my mother-in-law, she's like, What's burning, Man? I'm like, I don't know. It's kind of like eat, pray, love for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, okay. <laughs> but she right, she went and she like had this whole fell in love with herself again. And um Yeah. Yeah. So I can see that it's the that the context, the mindset of like where we're coming from that's leaving us feeling small or unworthy, right? Mm-hmm. And we can support the foundation of that, um, we can really lead with more power and and worthiness in our beingness. And and what it sounds like, really the courage to commit to ourselves more deeply um, and practices. And so inside of sacred sexuality um and the work that you do do with, with people, um, what are some of personal practices um that people can do like date like? quick tools, uh, inside of this sacred sexuality mm-hmm. conversation and for ourself, not necessarily with someone, but like with ourself, what are some things you really, you, you really do when you're like, Ooh, I'm not feeling totally worthy today. Or you notice like, Oh shit, I'm questioning how my butt looks in these jeans. Like what's something practical that you do that's somatic in that moment mm-hmm. to recenters?
1: Mm. You know, one of my favorites of all time is, um, I call it emotion as sensation. Hmm. So, if to me, when I am having some kind, if I'm feeling unworthy, having some body triggering thing happening, it's it's like the feeling happens, and then the mind goes to work justifying the feeling. So it's like I have this kind of gut sink, like oh, I'm not worthy, and then my brain's like, okay, yeah, here's a bunch of reasons why, (laughs) right? And it just kind of goes, you know, goes on the spiral, and it just makes the feeling worse. But if you can the best way to get out of the head spiral and the like the beliefs and the thoughts that are the narratives that are making it all worse and drop back into your body is to focus on the sensation of the feeling inside Mm. of yourself. So, um, you know, so for example, it's like, Oh yeah, that kind of it's heavy in my heart felt a little um, like kind of sinking gut feeling. And then just kind of being with that for a minute breathing a bit, right? In and out and just acknowledging like, okay, this is just a sensation. It's an experience I'm having. It's not capital T truth, right? It's just, it's a feeling that's cut, that's passing Mm. through me and that's it, right? Like, and then you don't have to be on that train of the thoughts that are going to take you to some sad bummer place. And you can just be with your body again and realize like, okay, that like, really, this is what it is. It's Mm. just, it's this feeling, the sensation that I'm having. Um, and then, Mm. Yeah. And if that doesn't work, another like mindset thing that I like to do is, um, compare someone else in my life that I love to whatever standard I was just holding myself to. Mm. Cause then that like breaks it up again, really fast too. Right. Like, uh, like, Oh, would I say that my sister should look like whatever person I was comparing myself to, or that they blah, 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 blah. Right. And it's like, no, all right. I'm not so special, (laughs) you know? Um, yeah we can both, you know, like, but neither of us has to be held to that. And it's just like swapping yourself out for someone else that you love just helps you like humanize yourself again. Yeah. Those, those would be the two things. Oh, that's amazing.
0: Oh, this, I I love this conversation. I feel like we could talk to you for four more years about this. Um, But this is really fantastic. And I, and, you know, like I said, we were, I felt like we were guided to you through this article. And um, this conversation has been amazing. And can you tell our listeners the best way to follow you, keep in touch with you, the opportunities to that, to work with you, what that looks like?
1: Yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram. I'm also um, I have like a little baby account on TikTok that I just started, but that's not really that's like a, us too. I think we have like one account. post on TikTok. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. We have like a yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my handle on Instagram is the Michelle Martinez, um, and then my website is michelle-martinez.net. Um, so that's where you can learn about uh, my services and programs um, and the the app that I have as well. Um, but for, you know, social media stuff, Instagram would fantastic. be fantastic.
0: Oh, thank you oh so gosh, much. Amazing. This, this I've, I've, I learned things today. I, and I really, and I really, you know, we were, I think we are sharing this with you before the episode, just your willingness to be so vulnerable in this conversation is what invites this conversation to perpetuate in such a positive way right? Like yeah. I think the more of us that can be really authentic about these things and normalize these conversations. I know someone listening right now had an aha moment today and was like, oh, okay. I don't yeah. have to do that to myself anymore. And um, and just thank you for all the work that you're doing and for being willing to put your story out there in such a vulnerable way. And it's been just an incredible conversation with you today. Thank you yeah. so much.
2: And for every clitorati that's like, oh my gosh, I want to go deeper with Michelle. Why is this episode over already? Go do yourself a solid and read this article by Michelle Martinez. I mean, and hear her about her personal journey where she had the breakthrough. She talks about where she had the transformation, where it like ended for her. And now she's really empowered in this conversation. We'll have the link to that in our show notes. And yeah, Michelle, it's been really, um, I feel like I, thoroughly fangirled out, there'll be a little bit more fangirling to happen when, when you hop off and it's just me and Lindsay, but thank you so much (laughs) for hearing the call and being so willing to um, hop on with us after four days of meeting us online.
1: (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 That was, that was so much fun and such an honor. So thank you again. Thank you so much. Yeah. Amazing. All
0: right. Well, thank you, Michelle. And thank you, Clitorati. And with that, we're going to see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. bye
3: If you liked this and are curious about our Clit Talk curriculum, we have a wait list for our upcoming free workshops and our Sex and Empowerment Signature Masterclass in 2022. Nothing like starting the new year guided by pleasure. Sign up for the wait list to come tap into your pussy sanctuary with Katie, myself, Sugar, and Lindsay at www.clittalkshow.com backslash waitlist. That's clittalkshow.com backslash waitlist.